my personal number is on twitter and i get like tweets like one to two calls every day of someone who's just trying to screw me and so, oh yeah absolutely yeah so so that's the thing right sometimes they screw me and then i say man like okay what's the goal like what do you want in the end right and sometimes they'll start laughing yeah i was actually going to ask that is 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 it for just you know is it for is it a joke is it are they trying to impress you to get you hired are they are they just trying to get money from you what what do you think what do you think it is people have time man Tonight, the North Korean hackers going even further. This was just the latest in a series of leaks. 143 million Americans, one of the largest cyber attacks in this country's history. Estimated losses from these breaches in excess of $20 billion. Hello and welcome back to Decrypted, a cybersecurity podcast for the everyday person. I'm your friendly neighborhood cyberman, Jacob Asida, and I'm joined by my cyber partner in crime. Dayton Williams, it is fantastic to be with you today. It's great to be here with you as well, Dayton. Personally, I feel like I hear more and more about cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin, and a lot of the time, it's mostly about how Bitcoin prices have risen by like $10,000 10 seconds after I sold it. Maybe that's just me, though. It's either that or, you know, Bitcoin was used in some sort of hack or another. But, you know, today we're going to talk about something a little different. We're going to talk about cryptocurrency and preventing SIM swapping in ways that are actually positive for once. Right. Yeah. It seems like we're always talking about how cryptocurrency is used to uh, fund terrorist cells or be used in uh, scary online uh, scams and hacking like we did in our Darknet episode. And in our Twitter heist episode as well. Yeah, and in our Twitter heist episode. So it seems like a lot of times uh, cryptocurrencies are given a bad rep. So we're going to pivot a little bit and try to, you know, show the positive side of cryptocurrency. And with that, we'll be speaking to an expert about the subject. But first, before we get into that, I wanted to play a little game with you, Jacob. All right. So uh, I call it uh, QuizCoin. And essentially, I have a list. I have five cryptocurrencies, some of which are real, some of which are fake. And I'm going to tell you the name of the cryptocurrency, its description, and you are to tell me if it is a real cryptocurrency or not. Okay, there are there are a lot of cryptocurrencies There's out there. There's a so. lot of cryptocurrencies because we know that Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, XRP, like these are big cryptocurrencies that a lot of people have faith in, right? But the thing is, anyone could make a cryptocurrency and sometimes people make it for jokes. And so uh, we're going to we're going to see how well you can sniff out if it's a coin or if it's a falsity that I created to fool you. All right. Our first our first cryptocurrency. It is called Dentacoin. Okay? So Dentacoin is the only cryptocurrency used exclusively by dentists and for dentists. Okay, Dentacoin is a digital token and blockchain network for the dental industry to help dentists and patients share data and medical records, trade product and materials, and pay for procedures. Real or fake? I'm going to say fake. Ooh, it is in fact real. I Dentacoin hate this. I hate this already. <laughs> real. <laughs> all right, all right, next up, next up. The next cryptocurrency is... Coinoli, aka Pasta Coin. So Pasta Coin was forked from a larger and more popular Litecoin, except Pasta Coin or Coinoli can only be used to purchase Italian food like garlic bread, cannoli, and of course pasta. Uh, the website for Coinoli describes Pasta Coin as hot from your mama's kitchen. 
So Coinoli, aka Pasta Coin, real or fake? I so wish it was real. I'm gonna say fake. Ravioli, ravioli, show me the coin oily. <laughs> it is. It is in fact fake. So you got thank that. Thank God. One right. <laughs> All right. Thank God. After the dentist one. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, next up, this cryptocurrency is called Coinye. Uh, unfortunately, this cryptocurrency was sued out of existence in 2014 by using the likeness of Kanye West as its icon. Uh, Coinye's official site was replaced with text reading, Coinye is dead, you win Kanye. And the original website, as of now, is down. Coinye, is it a real cryptocurrency or not? I, I kind of, I think it is. I don't want it to be because I like the idea that you just created this rich fiction for it. But I'm going to say yes is real. You're right. It is in yes. fact a real oh cryptocurrency. My gosh, <laughs> I love uh. it. Co- Coinye West is such a great name for a cryptocurrency. Um, That's really good. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. Uh, next up, this this cryptocurrency is called Satano Coins. Satano Coins. It, it's created in partnership with the Church of Satan, and Satano Coins are a cryptocurrency that are used to offer sacrificial tribute to the demonic god Baphomet. Or it could be used to donate to organizations that are pro-separation of church and state. Um, so this is Satano Coin, created in partnership with the Church of Satan. To be honest with you, this sounds very on brand for the Satanic Church, so I'm actually going to say this is real. No, it's fake. I made it up. No! <laughs> that one was the only one that did anything. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, but there is, in fact, a cryptocurrency that is called Cthulhu Coin, which does something similar where you offer tribute to oh, okay, the Eldritch God of Cthulhu. So uh, that, okay. that was my inspiration for this one. Oh, I see. Well, you got, okay. you got me there. Last but not least, this cryptocurrency is called Petro, PetroCoin. So this coin was actually issued by the government of Venezuela. Uh, the petrocoin is backed by Venezuela's oil and mineral reserve, and it is intended to supplement Venezuela's plummeting Bolivar Fuerte, um, which is their actual currency, as a means of circumventing U.S. sanctions. Fun fact! For the petrocoin, the only other currency that can be transferred into petrocoin is Russian rubles. Real or fake? It seems odd to me that it's backed by something. That seems kind of antithetical to to like the idea of cryptocurrency, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb and actually say it's real. And if I get this wrong, it means I I lost the game. If I got it right, at least I got over fifty percent. Well, congratulations! I'm gonna give you fifty petro coins, oh. which is not a lot of money, um, to say that it is in fact real. So, c- congratulations! Congratulations! Thank you. Ah, oh, I I barely clung by on that. I'll I'll convert that petro coin to rubles i'll use the rubles to buy some dogecoin that's where the real money's at <laughs> and uh we'll be good uh in the subject of eldrick and completely incomprehensible eldrick sort of abominations yes we're gonna be talking about cryptocurrency today and as you've mentioned we have a guest here who's big in the industry of cryptocurrency at least partially there and partially in other places we're gonna get a little bit more to him because his sort of career is quite interesting to talk about one of the things that our guest here is known for is creating a bitcoin atm I actually encountered this, you know, firsthand in DC itself. There are quite a few in DC. Do you do you know how many there are in DC, Dayton? Do you, have you ever encountered one? Uh, no, I haven't encountered one, but I did a little bit of research before our recording today, and it, there is actually a website where you can type in your address, and it'll show you all of the Bitcoin ATMs nearby. And I typed in my address, and there are 38 
Bitcoin ATMs across the DMV, which is totally wild for DC. Yeah, that's way more than I was expecting, to be honest. I was expecting like one or two or something to that effect, but it's quite impressive. And they're not all by the same, not all by the same person, but interesting to see how many there are. So out of curiosity, Jacob, um, have you ever purchased any cryptocurrency? Because I, I never have. And so I, you, it seems like you have a lot of experience with this kind of thing more than I do. I don't. I feel like saying I have a lot of experience implies I am very educated on the subject, which I, I, am, I don't have a load of experience with it. It's actually quite easy to purchase Bitcoin. I mean, you could literally go to a Bitcoin ATM and do so. Uh, but, but you could also do something like Robinhood. You can actually... I mean, it's not exactly buying Bitcoin to my understanding, but you can basically buy like shares of Bitcoin itself. It's, so it's a little weird. It's quite easy to buy Bitcoin, so a lot easier than you'd suspect. Uh, it has some weirdness to it in terms of reporting it for taxes because of how it's classified. Uh, so it's, it's a little bizarre to deal with, you know? Right. I, it's like the new kid on the block as far as finances is, are concerned. Yeah. I mean, what's more enticing to start a conversation than talking about my W-2 tax returns for how much money I made in Bitcoin this year? Oh, please do. And could you also share your social social security number? On, yeah, of course. You know, of course. So, you, so, yeah, so everyone can review it and make sure I didn't commit tax fraud. That's an important aspect <laughs> of the episode. Right, right. You could finally invest in some pasta coin. Oh, God, I wish... If it, I need a coin dedicated to buying garlic bread, that's that was really your honestly magnum opus. Really good. We should get on that. We should trademark that while we still can. Bitcoin's pretty important. We would we're, we're trying to get eventually to talking about of you know how it goes into policymaking because eventually you know governments are going to really need to talk about how Bitcoin is classified. It's not really it's kind of in a weird sort of limbo of, as kind of like an asset in a way, and we're going to talk about that in the episode a little bit more with our guest. Following up on our coverage of Twitter, two bit heist now streaming, uh, we were approached by a representative from a company called Afani, whose CEO had run-ins with the teens who were charged in that case. Right, yeah, and, and as a reminder, uh, the if you haven't seen the Two Bit Twitter heist, um, it's a really fun episode. I highly encourage you to listen to it. But if you haven't listened to it, essentially a whole bunch of Twitter accounts were compromised uh, by a couple of a group of teens, and instead of inciting World War Three, they instead uh, did a Bitcoin uh, scam where they said, "Hey, donate bitcoins to this wallet," and they made about what was it, one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, something like that. I mean, it was drastically less than they could have. And that's thanks to security practices from uh, a Bitcoin exchange itself. In a caper that involved this uh, this Bitcoin scam on Twitter, and as well as being an expert in SIM swapping, uh, Afani's Hasib Awan had some extra details about subjects and expressed interest in helping to educate the public a bit more about Bitcoin and SIM swapping. So let's turn to that interview now. And we're going to hear about his experience with both these and his experience with the Twitter heist. Thank you so much for joining us, Asib. We really appreciate you taking the time, and we're really excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, excited to be here, uh, Jacob Dayton. Yeah, it seems like you have a wealth of background in a variety of subject matters. Would you mind giving us a little bit more information about your background? Uh, absolutely. So uh, I started my career at working for a website where we were selling uh, pretty much uh, automobile parts and it was just a car enthusiast forum which got acquired and then um, I got I took a break and then I just got into Bitcoin very earlier on because that was the only tool available to me to buy at that time because um, I was just immigrant new new person to the country and uh, one day you know we decided let's make a Bitcoin ATM so a couple of friends uh, got together 
and put together the world one of or the world first or one of the first bitcoin atms and because we were the first one we got exposed to a lot of early projects like ethereum cardano uh, you know like wealth of uh, projects and pretty much that's what got me started in crypto uh, and obviously when we work with uh, crypto you had to fight with regulators deal with kyc which is know your customers deal with like compliance issues and that exposed me to uh, how much information is available on every person online and what are the security challenges for people in crypto because people crypto is slightly different beast than a lot of financial institutions do not understand um unfortunately uh it also attracted a lot of bad attention and uh, you know i was sim swapped multiple times so i realized that how easy to hack someone because it's not like when you get hacked you can call someone and say hey can you do a credit charge back on me it didn't work out so i set up a system for myself to protect me my cell phone against sim hacking or any similar kind of issue uh, i shared with like few people and uh it frankly just took off like you know people said i want this product and uh one year almost more than a year in and we are pretty much growing uh double digits every month um and uh, we product a lot of like crypto investor but not just crypto there's a need in the market for secure cell phone services that goes beyond so we have people who are lawyers accountants doctors or anyone who is important person they want to secure their cell phone so they are reaching out to to us to secure their phone you mentioned this a bit hasib when you said that crypto attracts a lot of negative attention um as, as i'm sure you're aware but many of our listeners may not know uh cryptocurrency is is used as a medium of exchange for criminals so using uh, with that in mind how does that impact cryptocurrency cryptocurrency security writ large when a lot of hackers and fraudsters gravitate towards crypto to conduct their business so uh you you're absolutely correct about this how it, like i'll give you example how the industry outlook have happened like we used to get answered questions from um reporters how many uh, you know like how how much of the cryptocurrency is in money laundering right uh so the con- concept was if you use crypto or you hold crypto you are a bad person because for listeners who don't know there used to be like a silk road and silk road is kind of ebay for illegal stuff you want any illegal stuff you will find it there and that basically was the first use case for crypto and the problem with that was uh, because every time something used to happen with crypto they used to bring up that silk road because silk road is the only way to and then we had company called backpage uh if for people who don't know it was like basically craigslist for uh prostitution and a lot of people were using it for and they banned credit cards so they started using crypto so crypto became de facto for anything illegal and that was very painful for us because like you know there was a lot of taboo attached to that and frankly our bank account was shut down my paypal was shut down because i was in crypto uh you know we became it was very difficult in those time because everyone used to think about crypto as being something illegal it's like uh if you if you want to dodge taxes you will go to crypto so think about every possible negative uh you know context it crypto was with just fit in there and uh, uh it's still the case i'm not saying that but now institutions are taking interest and now ma- major mainstreamers are adopting it um so think out like i've changed a lot like you have companies uh, major fund like paypal uh, cash app and like thousands of other bigger companies who are basically working with crypto and so that taboo have gone away a lot 
Interesting. So it seems like major institutional adoption of Bitcoin is one way that uh, society at society at large is addressing or changing this perception of Bitcoin. Can you think of anything else that is changing what it what the public sees Bitcoin as? I think the Bitcoin is uh, public is still like confused about how Bitcoin works. Uh, they don't grasp the concept of it's basically a cash on the internet. You can be your own bank, so that's the bigger issue. But if you look at overall uh, perception of how crypto has changed. It has certainly moved from being like something that is only used for illegal as an asset class. Bitcoin started as a medium to exchange. You want to send money across the world, use Bitcoin. But now it's an asset class. Everyone should have a bit, Bitcoin in their asset portfolio, regardless if the allocation is between one, zero to, sorry, one to hundred percent. But everyone should have exposure. So I think that has changed a lot. And when the stakes go high, uh, and then U.S. Marshall basically, the U.S. Marshall. Uh, confiscated, uh, I think, hundred or two hundred thousand uh, dollar, two hundred thousand Bitcoin. Then they auctioned it, so that helped a lot too. Because that was a time where I realized, okay, you know, this thing will never go illegal, become illegal, because now U.S. government have sold Bitcoin, so they will not sell something that they will basically uh, call as illegal in the future. We are seeing a little bit more adoption of cryptocurrencies in general, and the creation of you know a Bitcoin. ATM is a step towards more widespread adoption as it's, as you've helped uh, to create. Do you see it just being a more widespread like everyday usage of currency? Do you see it still being restricted sort of to an asset investment? How, how do you see it going forward? I think now, like, you know, we had a Bitcoin. Uh, we used to take Bitcoin on our systems too uh, for our cell phone services. The problem with that is people uh, regret whenever they give us Bitcoin. I have not seen anyone who basically said, oh, I wish if I would have sold my Bitcoin earlier, at least in the trade market when the market is all time high. Oh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever hear many, many people say, I wish I had sold my Bitcoin earlier, almost universally. It's like, oh, why didn't I wait a couple more months? Yeah, like that's pretty much never happened, right? And frankly, uh, we have friends who basically bought like Villa for like 100, 100 Bitcoins or like a watch for like three Bitcoins because uh, it was like because Bitcoin was very cheap at that time. Now people are holding on to that. So I think it has certainly moved into an asset class where people say, okay, you know, I'll just hold on to, like the point is there's 21 million Bitcoins. So if you just hold on to one Bitcoin, uh, will it become the standard one day? Um, which is, it is turning. So it basically will start uh, hitting the, the gold market cap, I believe. It will st start replacing gold. Because if you look at gold, gold pretty much does not have any use right now. As it, the only thing is like, you know, it's an asset class, but physically, practically the people will use it in jewelry, but very few people use bit gold in their day-to-day -day life. There's a lot that's wrapped up in cryptocurrencies in general. Do you think that their creation and I guess their relation to, you know, organized crime, do you think that like the good outweighs the bad with Bitcoin? You know, it takes a lot of processing power. It can be damaging to the environment. Do you think it's a net good overall? I think the same argument can be done on pennies, right? I think it costs more money to produce a penny than it is worth a penny. So should we get rid of it? Like similarly, if you go into um, a lot of electric vehicles or you go into a lot of uh, recycling, a lot of, I don't know if you know that, but a lot of recycling have a positive, um, has a positive carbon effect. So whenever you recycle, you basically dump more carbon footprint into the environment. With the passage of time, it improves. Absolutely, I think there should be a better way for mining. But that also protected from anyone getting into the system. So the point is, what if not, there's no Bitcoin? 
how much does it cost to produce and move money across the world we have servers across the world someone is mining gold right now someone is mining coal right now should we start giving up on anything that doesn't make any sense i think this is for the market to decide about if uh, if it makes sense for them to mine bitcoin purely thinking from an environmental point of view i believe there should be but then should we turn off our lights like you know why do we have lights policy at night we should just say there should be no plane because planes cause a lot of pollution uh people should only use hybrid uh or so so on the environment part we can discuss and we can see what we can eliminate and what we cannot eliminate uh but frankly other than that i think other than the market will decide uh if it's profitable to mine bitcoin or not to get a little bit back into security itself there are several notable you know cryptocurrency thefts over the past few years bitstamp in the uk in in 2015 Mt. Gox in Japan in 2014 for about like 350 million. Uh how are Bitcoin exchanges and other, you know, cryptocurrencies exchanges vulnerable to hacking, fraud or theft? The first thing is uh, one of the feature or one of the good things or bad thing about cryptocurrencies is irreversible. So once I send you a Bitcoin, there's no way I can get it back from you. So that's a bigger challenge. Now, which means that you can be your own bank. You can literally uh transfer on a piece of paper and travel anywhere in the world and use it. uh which makes it much powerful because you cannot do it with gold uh you cannot do it with any other currency but you can literally if you have a good memory you can literally uh memorize the keyword in your mind and you can travel across the world or you can ship it the code to someone and pick it up which is impossible without anyone controlling it so no no country can say hey we have capital control you cannot take money out bitcoin doesn't work that way uh but as other side it's like having a cash bag of cash in your house with no security because you have a bag of cash you should basically have your own security because once the cash is gone it's gone similar with bitcoin is gone it's gone you cannot take it back there's no charge back you cannot call hey can you reverse this transaction no uh, any exchange will not help you out so basically that's the challenge with individual custodian and when you are holding assets on behalf of your customer uh, frankly uh it become major risk because if you you talked about mont gox or you talk about like i think there were 16 exchanges that got hacked this year so if you look at it it's like 1.5 exchange per 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 month or maybe like every exchange every 20 days like if you look at this the, those are very scary uh, scary numbers and then there are other other challenges with uh, what if someone died right when there's a multi sig so so exchanges are very easy to very very um you know big easy target and now we have things called defi which is decentralized finance so for people who don't know it's basically just running code which is probably made by anonymous people and they can just change the code whenever they want so there's a lot of trust out there and majority of the people do not understand how to keep up with those security measures cuz they're not used to it it's like uh people will buy equipment but they don't know how to use it and i give a very example of it's like having a gun but you don't know how to how to how to aim at someone so uh, you think you're secure because you have a gun but just having owning a gun does not make you secure you need to know how to basically shoot or whenever something comes so again i'm a anti wallet i'm just giving example as an analogy so similar with crypto people would understand okay you know we have these features and we are secure but no they get hacked i think last week we helped like 45 or 50 victims who were sim swapped or who had other issues with their crypto i i found it very compelling you mentioned earlier about how the government actually auctioned off 
uh, seized crypto assets. So our podcast is based in DC, which means that we work with or adjacent to the federal government regarding security. And so we look at um, we look at security issues and different market issues through a government kind of lens. And so doing a little bit of research before our conversation, we know that the Securities and Exchange Commission conducts some regulation of cryptocurrency, but it's not as rugged as other financial assets as far as regulation goes. So do you foresee the U.S. government increasing its footprint in the cryptocurrency sphere uh, so it could maybe step in and, and create regulations or standards to prevent these kinds of vulnerabilities in these exchanges? Or it is not, not a place you think the government would fit? I think data is very complicated. Like I think I was, I was part of a Senate committee for cryptocurrency and I testified in front of Senate for the exact same issues. And they were asking about, should we regulate or should we not regulate? Is it healthy for the industry? And my answer was pretty simple. We don't know. And the reason like one, one is plain fraud where someone will just say, okay, you know, I'll, I'll do this thing and he didn't do it or something. He, he had a bad intent. That's straight fraud. But other than that, you don't know what crypto is because if you look at crypto, what is crypto? Is it a transfer of, should a law of like transferring money would apply? Should a law of asset class will apply? Should you have like, is it like commodity where you have to pay taxes on every transaction? It's like a cell phone, right? Like so cell phone, what is cell phone? Is it messaging device? Is it like something that you use web browser? Is it something that you call your food on? Which lo- rules should apply? And I think the more rules will apply, it will be, it will hurt the, it will hurt the innovation in crypto space. So I think, a uh, plain out fraud should be absolutely, uh, you know, uh, prosecuted. But at the same time, crypto businesses should have some breathing room. So I'll give you a simple example about uh, buying and selling Bitcoin. We had, at one point of time, we had a liability that uh, we were afraid that what if every transaction on Bitcoin is declared as a commodity, would we have to pay taxes to every, on every, every transaction, right? So how would it work? Like someone did a transition in Florida. Do we have to pay whatever the Florida state tax and federal tax on top? Who will who will who will bear that uh, that that thing? If you talk about like um, you know asset classes, like you know how how do you calculate your losses? So imagine I lost money this year, but I don't declare it till the Bitcoin went to like a hundred thousand dollars. How would the taxes work? So it's still still developing, and frankly. It's very difficult to say because we are very, very early into the space. I think we are maybe, on, it's maybe a 98, 99 kind of a moment for crypto. Uh, so uh, to, big, to, to summarize all of this, it's almost impossible to say how Bitcoin, which lens, which regulator to look at it. Because there's so much regulators for everything that uh, it's hard for a single agency to, uh, to basically say, okay, these laws will apply on this. You know, it's good to hear all about Bitcoin, but we're not here just to talk about Bitcoin with a C. But a big part of our interest came from a company he created called Afani, which he's going to go into a little bit more detail with. But effectively, it's a, it's a cell phone plan that guarantees against SIM hacking. And it even ensures you should you have a loss because of this. Yeah, of particular note to uh, Afani's SIM hacking insurance is that there is an insurance claim. So we were really interested to see if Hasib had thought about cyber insurance as a whole and whether that will increasingly become the norm. Yeah, and I think just this very security mindset that Hasib is bringing sort of to new businesses is quite interesting. And I'm, I'm interested to see it as a trend continue in the technical industry, seeing security becoming a forefront as a selling point. But let's let's dive back into the interview. How prevalent is SIM swapping for the average consumer? So about the SIM swapping stuff, 
um it's basically i won't say like it happens every day to everyone uh it's like one of those insurance like you know the chances of ha- happening it are super low but whenever it happens the impact that it has is very very high you rely on your phone for a lot of things that it's a it's a big point of a uh, continuous sort of like a hack or it could just be a means of extortion for bitcoin uh not just been extortion so we have seen like a lot of other issues with cryptocurrency and i'll, I'll give you a simple example we have sure. like uh, uh people have lost their icloud account and their pictures get exposed and then ransom being asked we have people whose email got compromised and they got into their personal account and took client details and said if you don't pay us this much money we will just publish this this details on the internet or we will we'll ask the client and ask them for a ransom so think about it you're an accountant you're a lawyer and a company statement that's with you uh, get leaked you know it basically it's, it's you will probably lose your all your reputation uh their compliance issue uh so a lot of this happens in uh through your cell phone and and frankly um i think my usage of cell phone is like 7 hours per day i don't know about yours but like frankly apple just give you like a usage per day and man it's absurd how much time do you spend like if you have to run with one thing in trouble probably you'll run with your cell phone it's leveraged it's a big problem since swapping for other things like it could be used to help damage you know two factor authentication it's you know as you were saying before the cell phone is like a poorly defined sort of object you know it's a it's a computer it does a lot of aspects for your life so yeah so yeah so also like people get into social media they take on information i've seen divorces happening through that i've seen people getting into their uber accounts and stealing money like there was a case where a guy got into um uh, in a in a cab and in uh, in a ride sharing company and he just transferred the uh he just asked his telephone number swapped his his account and transfer all the fund to his personal account so i have only heard of one but there must be others uh we have heard about so there are like thousands of stories around how people attack but when people have a control of your cell phone they can get control of your email account very easily for majority of the people and once they have your email and telephone number man they can do pretty much do whatever they want so you know you've taken this position against sim swapping why was this security flaw so central to the founding of afani like why why did you pursue this so um aggressively uh so i didn't do it to set up a company I, the company started with the name of dontport.com which just started to mock the telecom network because my email was literally don't port me ever at gmail.com or something <laughs> like that right and <laughs> yeah. and they and when i called them they said why did you port he said we sent you an email on don't port ever at gmail i said why don't you read it says like don't port ever i said what does it means <laughs> and then she realized okay how stupid they are yeah yeah and yeah. it happened to me four times basically it took a lot of mental ch- i it basically took a lot of toll on my personal health and my poor mental health because i got so scared like literally i was sims up four times and i stopped going to anywhere where there was like no signal so i'll give you example basement i got scared of basements because in basement uh, when you don't have signals you basically get anxiety uh, similarly like you know i stopped going for camping because if i don't get signal so my thing was wherever i go i'll have a signal and i stopped watch start watching my phone a lot because i always have scared someone will swap me even though i never lost money on that but just the mental part so i started a company called dontport.com to mock the company that this is what you to build and i just tweeted about it and then one friend got hacked and he said okay can you help me out so i helped his number 
um and frankly it just kept on growing like you know we didn't do like proper marketing it's just and then we rebranded it okay you know there are other challenges because sim swapping is a is a minor challenge a major challenge for individual but there's also major flaws in the network uh, if you remember the jeff bezos hack that happened or every time you see some emails get leaked so a lot of them happen through telephone numbers so we have a different offering that we do not offering to public consumer but there could be a seven attack there could be man in the middle attack so man in the middle attack is basically someone can install a fake tower in your house and all the correspondence go to the tower and the tower can basically uh, send some other person information too you can also have a sms based attack where you would not even know that you got a text message but um, but it will just start doing things on your phone so so those attacks could happen but on a higher level but I'm, and I'm and 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 you know, embarrassingly, I'm actually a telecom engineer. I never practiced it, but I'm actually a telecom engineer. So, um, uh, so yeah, telecom engineer. So I said, okay, I think this problem is slightly easier to solve, as in, if we can follow a lot of protocol that we can, uh, we should follow. Uh, the other point is, but it has to be specialized firms. So similarly for Bitcoin ATM, uh, the knowledge of regular ATM companies do not understand how Bitcoin works. So I said, regular telecom industry do not understand what's the security requirement for a, for a telecom or for a crypto focus. So I set up a network and it kept on growing. Like, frankly, it just kept on growing. Um, we never, uh, I didn't put a lot of thoughts about how, what should be company business plan and everything. As of today, I don't even have a business plan of how it will grow. I just say, can we just secure one person per day? So one of the things that uh, Jacob and I both found really interesting when we were doing some research on Afani is that Afani provides a $5 million insurance coverage for users who are compromised. So one of the things that has been a perennial conversation on this podcast is how does one measure loss when it is an intangible thing like loss of reputation or loss of privacy. Um, how does a funny measure that and how does that account to the $5 million insurance coverage? So the reason why we have $5 million insurance policy, the good and bad thing. The bad thing is that um, no one have ever claimed it. The good thing is no one claimed it because no one had a loss. So we yeah, stand behind the product. Yeah, <laughs> that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. So it's good, right? It's one of those premiums that you pay and you feel bad about it. You know, because you know you will never use it. But other than that, like frankly, any any system can be hacked. Like even Bitcoin have a fifty one percent attack. Technically, practically impossible. So intangible loss is something that I cannot decide. It's not up to me to decide that. Okay, you know, this person should get two million dollars. This person should get five. If I had the authority, I probably would be, uh, you know, like giving out checks for a million dollar to each of my friends or anyone I know. Right? A million for you, million for you. Right? Uh, but it doesn't work that way. Basically, it's it's a loss that you have to prove. Uh, so I'll give you an example. If you got no financial loss, right? I'm just giving a random number. So we say, okay, you know, how much does a personal insurance policy cost you? Maybe $100 per year, where if you get kidnapped, it will cost you $100 in insurance. I'm just making up a number. Okay, so we got you covered. What is your experience and all the, you know, identity theft product cost? This is the best identity product cost. It costs $500. Okay, here's $500 for the next five years. Okay, you know, how much would a new bank account cost you? This much will cost. And how much would a specialist? So we'll basically cover you if there's any inconvenience on that. Like, obviously, we cannot change the past, but we can change the future. And we can make sure that we stand behind what we say. So intangible loss are difficult to calculate, but I think it's a similar insurance policy that everyone have. Uh, but I have, a like, I frankly, this is the, the biggest fear I have. What if something goes wrong? 
And I'll be honest, like this scares the shit out of me uh, because we have built system, but at the same time, and anything in the world is hack, uh, hackable. So we, what we do is we have mitigated the risk as much as possible, but at the same time, uh, we have a plan of if something that happened, what will be our plan of action? Plan of action will be to basically, rather than saying, sorry, we sorry for what happened. Uh, I hope you're doing well. No, we will say, okay, you know, first of all, we are embarrassed and we are ashamed of what happened. This should not happen, but let's see what we can do to protect you. And I'll personally put our liability on top to ensure that every consumer feels secure, even moving forward. I, I think it's incredibly interesting that um, Afani is like, okay, we have a lot of faith in our security, our security apparatus. And if something bad happens, like we have insurance and we'll cover you. I think for a lot of our listeners and most consumers um, in general, uh, most people see insurance as like a physical thing, right? Like you mentioned the kidnapping or, you know, uh, act of God, a tornado destroying your house. Um, moving into like cybersecurity insurance, which is a, a relatively new frontier when it comes to insurance, uh, the damage is very diffused and I think foreign to what most people would imagine as being insured on. So do you think companies like Afani or other cybersecurity insurance companies, like, do you see that more becoming the norm or is it an increasingly uh, difficult to grasp kind of, kind of um, uh, monetary value? Uh, well, it's always difficult to say what could be like an intangible loss. So I'll give you an example. If you say, hey, I was supposed to win NBA this year. I was supposed to be the best player. Uh, I could not, I didn't make it because my cell phone was attacked and that's why I lost $10 million, right? That may work if you are number two and you were close to that. But if you say, no, I don't even know how to play basketball, you know, like, so you have to define it. But otherwise, I think uh, insurance industry is like, you know, cybersecurity is something new. So insurance companies are now looking into how to improve it. But ultimately, it all comes down to insurance agencies. I have a plan that, okay, you know, how much will it cost to cover if something goes wrong? And we believe that our insurance policy will be sufficient for that. Um, but other than that, like, you know, it's very, very difficult to, uh, to cover intangible loss because it's very hard to define. But ultimately, we will side with the client rather than insurance company to make sure that we get him the best protection he possibly can. So Hasib's story itself is quite interesting. It speaks to that sort of, if no one's doing it, then do it yourself sort of aspect of working in tech. However, what's really interesting is that throughout his career is his relationship to hackers in the hacking community and sort of how they've kind of gone after him, almost sort of to seek his approval in a way. Right, he has this weird love-hate relationship, target, but also secret admirer relationship with some of these these interesting characters online. Yeah, and this this actually all ties back into the Twitter heist itself. So let's hear a little bit more about it from Hasib himself. So you appeared in uh, the New York Times article concerning the uh, Twitter hack before. Uh, that's correct. So they had previously targeted your company, Afani, could you, as well as targeting you for... Um, for Bitcoin uh, to your Bitcoin uh, related businesses as well. Could you speak a little bit more to like your relationship to the hackers there and, you know, sort of your involvement in dealing with that uh, Twitter heist event? Yeah, certainly. So when I had set up, a, uh, when I set up my account on uh, like, you know, I do this service, like you will see it will attract a lot of attention. So I set up like bounties from time to time because I was testing the system if it works or not. So I put up a bounty, okay, like $20,000 bounty, $30,000 bounty, 
So people can check it out that, okay, someone can hack. So due to that, I used to get a lot of hack attempts. And in few times, I basically, uh, with every hack, like nothing happened, but every time I used to improve and I can see that. So some friends, some hackers are like, you know, they are okay. Like they will say, hey man, good try, but maybe you can focus on this thing too. And you can see, fix this thing. So I start communicating with them on Signal and other messaging app where they will just say, hey, this is what we did. And they start sharing story about. So we kind of, I will not say friend, but they just, and ultimately a few of the people said, they want to work for me. So when they want to work for me, they said, um, I said, okay, man, but you guys are criminal. Like, you know, you're not a hacker. Like you don't know anything. You basically just steal. Uh, it's not that you have specific skills. So then they start, okay, no, we have skills. So a lot of people came to me and they start sharing information about it. So on the day of Twitter hack, um, Wall Street Journal covered it too. And I think there was uh, there also a documentary on Hulu about that. Um, and that's a very good documentary um, about like how entire stuff got covered. But long story short is that um, on the day of hack, he reached out to me the first. Uh, and he says, man, we got Twitter will be fun today. And when I said Twitter will be fun today, I said, what do you mean? And then they said, we got Twitter. And I, I didn't understand because I was like slightly busy. Very ominous. Very yeah, ominous. Very ominous yeah. yeah. And I used to get like, I, we still get a lot of like, you know, incidents. Like I know I've been told there's a major cryptocurrency hack. They are getting hacked in the next two months. Right. Sometimes those reports are true. Sometimes they're false. So I just ignored it. Like I said, I was chatting. Okay. So, so my thing was there would be Twitter scam, which normally happen where people just make a new account uh, and just tweet under like Elon Musk account. They don't say, okay, you know, I'm giving away Bitcoin. And then one thing happened, second thing happened, third thing happened. And when they did the, um, I think uh, like uh, president elect uh, Joe Biden account. And I think a couple of other, I said, man, you guys have went gone too far. So at that time I realized, okay, man, this thing is now not fun anymore. So I told them, I warned them, I said, do it. And then they got scared. And so I caught in touch with so at that time I, I already had tweeted out. Uh, I was the first one to broke how it could happen. People start laughing at me. Oh, how can this even happen? And I think the tweet got published in multiple magazines and then uh, got in touch with my friends at, um, not my friend, but like a journalist at uh, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. And I got like 50 requests that day. Uh, even from the so funny part, even the hackers, uh, some of the hackers, they pre- presented themselves to be a journalist and they say, Hey, can you put me in touch with those people? Can you send me some information? Can you make sure this story remains exclusive to us? And I said, no, 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 no. So they, I know how scammers operate, but you'll find like how a lot of journalists were disguised for that day. But anyway, I got them in touch with, uh, them and then, uh, they came forward and they mentioned pretty much whatever, uh, we have a st- a lot of details did not get even went public, you know, because we uh, made a timeline of how the attack happened. Exactly a lot of detail. Nathaniel Popper actually from, from New York Times have done a really good job on um, like, you know, basically dissecting how the, how, uh, and putting all the information together. But uh, this was my relationship. So I still maintain a lot of relationship with uh, a lot of uh, hackers, but most of them, because they keep on attacking me. Like, frankly, my personal number is on Twitter and I get at least like one to two calls every day of someone who's just trying to screw me. And Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's the thing, right? Sometimes they screw me and then I say, man, like, okay, what's the goal? Like, what do you want in the end? Right. And sometimes they'll start laughing. Yeah. I was actually going to ask that is, is it, is it for just, you know, is it for, is it a joke? Is it, are they trying to impress you to get you hired? Are they, are they just trying to get money from you? What, what do you think? What do you think it is? 
people have time man they're busy like you know maybe they are recording my phone and they will be playing my phone call somewhere in the like those prank calls uh sometimes they are genuinely like trying to like i got a call uh, i think like two days ago or last week like people will be crying here hey, lost my bitcoin and everything can you help me recover it so i do help people who got hacked so he was trying f- to use my skills to hack someone i say so within like two minutes i realized okay man this is kind of a, this is uh Uh, before i proceeded like you know i realized that okay you know this guy is just pulling trying me to hack someone so i refused him mm-hmm. uh other than that like at some time i i get abuses like people will call me and just abuse me uh and like you know with every possible thing sometimes they'll threat me mm-hmm. and so we do get combination sometimes with genuine calls too but like with criminal they just call and sometimes they just laugh at me and they will just pick up the call and start laughing at me mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll say hey man this we hacked this guy today you got another customer so so it's a person it it gets a lot of sometimes it's fun like sometimes i'm okay but sometimes it start hitting you too mm-hmm. so hasib is kind of a huge player in different industries he's he's got the special triple threat you know telecom security cryptocurrencies he's got it all you know we're hoping to have him back he he seemed interested in consulting on future hacks for us and we're really happy to speak with him and We'll be sure to link to Afani here, his anti-SIM swapping uh, phone plan as well. Uh, please check that out. It's quite interesting. Thanks for joining us. We'll be sure to be starting our cryptocurrency to crypto coin next week. Uh, it's backed, of course, by pictures of my cat and how valuable you think those actually are. Be sure to tune in for our next episode as we dive into a little bit more of Twitter shenanigans that I'm sure people are all very interested to discuss about sort of Twitter as public record and the political figures who are using Twitter. Stay tuned for that. And as always, follow us on Twitter before, of course, you know, we get checkmarked and then hacked. And feel free to reach out to us at decryptedpodcast at gmail.com if you had episode ideas or if you wanted to appear as a guest. As always, stay safe out there. <laughs>